Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corpusero, joined by the most capped USA Rugby Eagle in history, Todd Clever. And how good is it doing this in person as well, by the way, with everyone next to me? And former US MLR Coach of the Year, none other than Rob Hoadley. This is the MLR Breakdown. This is the final MLR Breakdown of this season. Thank you to everyone for enduring the journey with us and supporting and growing the show. Apologies, we didn't quite get this wrap off last week. I was a little bit uh, busy and taken care of with celebrations and a trip to Vegas. We had all sorts going on, but we're back this week. We're going to do it just as signing off and then a quick reminder everyone that listening will have your attention to keep your eyes open for the Giltini season sign-offs that we're going to be doing where we'll grab some interviews with some of the guys that I went on this journey with and and the guys here know because during the season we were very Giltini light but part of that to do was working and the conflicts and now as that's opened up we really get a chance to share some of the experiences and get to give a bit more behind the curtain inside look at some of the very special players of your MLR champions just had to give it a quick shout out. I don't know if you can see on the pod. Uh, the Giltinis who managed to go out there and beat Atlanta. And, and guys, welcome to the show. And, uh, you know, we might as well just crack into it or I'll keep talking all day. 100%. I mean, we're, we're here with the, with the medals, with the, with the Championship Cup, Western the Conference. Shield, the Hall Conference. Exactly. So, I mean, what uh, this, did, uh, on a personal note, did you take this to Vegas? Did you guys take that to Vegas? It, it did not actually make it to Vegas. I, I, I think it was a smart decision. Yeah, it wouldn't have come I back. <laughs> I don't think would have would have trusted it in, 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 the, in the guise of us. But, um, you know, I think uh, it, it's good to be here. And, 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 Rob, great to see you as well. And I, I think that's where we should start, lads. Like, what a day. I know it seems so long ago now, the final. But what a day the MLR final is where we had the East Coast and West Coast Conference winners. We had LA Giltinis hosting Rugby ATL. It was the two best teams, in my opinion, going to -to head-to-head. We previewed it. It was going to be a tight game or an arm wrestle. But I'd love to get your thoughts, and and Rob, starting with you with with some analysis of what your thoughts of the day was. Well, I just think that the day itself is different level. The production value that's put on by Adam Gilchrist and and Todd and everyone behind the scenes through the year is is different level. I've never... I've actually never been involved in a rugby occasion quite like that. Uh, you know, we've got Adam uh, uh, Ash on the uh, on the pod. He was DJing there with uh, Fat Man Scoop and showing uh, Steve Aoki up and uh, trying to sign to a record label. You, you've got the crowd going crazy. It's it's unlike anything I've been involved with before. And you just get you get swept up in it, and it really is a, a party atmosphere. What, what was your take on the, the day itself, Todd? Well, you know, that's what I was going to talk about, the off-field stuff and the partying and <laughs> drinking the gillies. And you were going to talk about the Sorry. scrums and line-outs, the kicking, the tactical yeah. play. So, I got too excited. I mean, this is, you know what? I'm, I like this. That I like the, jo- this is the new host. Actually, yeah, this you did your chance. job better than Corbs in the rugby than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, you know, we thought it was going to be an arm wrestle. And if it was going to be that way, I mean, it favored Atlanta, I thought, you know, going into it. I, I don't think there was too many confident people if it was going to be... You you know, into that muscle-up uh, forward play and, and structure. But uh, but if it got loose and there's going to be some tries, if there's going to be some free advantage ball and everything else, uh, we all knew that uh, the magic that the Giltinis could go, and, and they scored some brilliant tries. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah listen, mate, I, I was uh, like... I've been, it's been a roller coaster of stress and uh, enjoyment and emotions, this whole coaching journey. And that's what a season is. It's up and down, stressful. But, oh, my God, the reward to watch the team play like that in the final. Like, going against Atlanta, there's so many different heartaches of things you have to worry about, of traps, the set piece, everything. But I thought LA, or I thought we, I can say we now more yeah. on the pod, we bashed them. 
Like yeah. we, we took them on at their game, which allowed us to then be able to play our game at the right times. And, and, and it was just fantastic that it was a competitive final. There was good rugby on show. The fact that ATL scored just before the half, as tough as that was from an LA point of view of gifting them back in the game, it made it a game and it made LA have to dig another gear to, to, to actually get across the line and get the W. With a couple questions from being the set piece coach, obviously, uh, you know, yourself, how were your emotions going into the game compared to obviously a lot tells, you know, for that first set piece and that scrum and how it went? I mean, was it a way out of your shoulders? How did you how did you act for that? Listen, I was a little bit nervous, especially after losing JP Smith against Utah. No, you know, secrets around one of the best loose heads in the league set piece. My 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 gem of, you know, turning our scrum from just a platform to a, to a weapon. And so I was a little nervous going against Atlanta, I think has one of the best scrums in the league, really well coached, credit to all of them down there and the players there, a big fan of what they're doing. You are kind of nervous. I think in the Utah game, when we had Charlie Abel play loosehead, he'd only played, packed one scrum for me all season at loosehead. And it was that week, just as an off cover, just because we didn't have JP train on the Tuesday. We wanted to look after that calf that actually unfortunately went. And all of a sudden now Charlie's done one rep, after five or 10 minutes, he gets thrown. He has to play 70 minutes at Loosehead. Listen, there were still positives in that Utah game, but I think it's clear that LA were creaking a little bit at the end. This week, I was nervous, having a problem solved, trying to get Charlie, who'd been my rocket tight head all year, to Loosehead in one, in one week. Tuesday or whatever, Wednesday we trained, wasn't the prettiest of days, and I was a little bit nervous. And, you know, guys were injured from the who needed to be off train, so we were kind of, you know, low on personnel. But come that Thursday, we had a really good session. Um, I think Darren Coleman had the great idea. We were down at UCLA. Um, the end, when we scrummed live, he had the whole team who weren't playing, all the backs surrounding the scrum, just cheering the guys on and bringing the energy. And I, I watched those scrums, and I, and I said to DC, I called them afterwards. I went, oh, I said, if we scrum like that on the weekend, we are going to be absolutely fine, because that's exactly what I wanted them to get right. And they've absolutely bossed it. And the, the release of like worry from that session that it gave me still had nerves going in, but I felt on that Thursday we turned the corner. Long scrummaging story comes short. It came good in the end. And Charlie Abel and, and Marco, like, like, I can't say enough of the way they fronted up in that final. There is no win for the Guiltinis without those two, and especially Marco, who, who came in and, and he ruptured his PCL in the semi final and has no PCL in that knee and fronted up and played 70 minutes for us as a guy with shine of minutes because injury in the season. Um, you know, that is what it takes sometimes to win a championship, and, and moments like that make it. And I, and I think it was really just so rewarding as an emphasis that we all dug in together and had been driving it all season. And, and that's why I think on the big days, it, it, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen that a team that maybe might be a little bit outmatched at set piece or is a little bit worried at set piece about a good set piece team doesn't get it right unless you drive this stuff all season. And I think that really came to reward for us in the final. Yeah, and it's, it's those um, perhaps unseen battles as well. And I think another thing that's gone under the radar through the year because you've been so good in so many other areas is the defence. And we said that coming in. Um, it just gave nothing away. Vailanu and... Dennis and Cottrell, they bang and they, they're living for those physical contests. Uh, and, you know, it's fantastic to see Utah were doing exactly the same in the semi-final. It was such a physical battle. And you, we knew ATL were going to come tooled up as well for that fight. Um, and we've spoken a lot about the ATL defence through the year. And it was interesting that it was a chip. Uh, and then Gitto with an inside show and go, the playmaker going through the middle and attack against the hard blitz. If you can go over the top and you attack that sort of third defender who's trying to rush, rush up as fast as he can, but he's up against a skilled player with options around him. That's what opened them up and, and they, they, they had the class to do that. Um, ATL, brilliant, again, another brilliant drive try playing to their formula. Uh, but, uh, you know, LA... Were, with the leadership in the group, the experience, uh, they came through in the second half. And um, again, we have, to, we have to come back to what a credit to ATL, the, the season they've had. It's absolutely phenomenal what they've put together, what Utah have put together. New York one point away from getting to the final again, so unlucky. But um, the depth now in the league, you know, LA have moved it on from the top. 
but everything behind them is chasing them and pushing those standards, like you're saying, Corbs, and it's great for the rug- for rugby it, in this country. It's so good, mate. It's so good. Like, so much to unpack there. Like, the, the competitiveness of the league, the standards. Obviously, LA set a very high standard early on, but you would say the whole league, I agree, is, is gained ground, and it's fueled that drive collectively of everyone to raise the product higher. And, and then I thought just with um, the actual team and LA, like... You know, the defense to me, it, I didn't want to hype it up too much on the show because obviously, but like I've never played in a team that's defended how LA team. I've always been in more Northern Hemisphere, Lions, Farrell, Sean Edwards sort of defenses with line speed, yeah. up pressure. Stephen Hall is very much more about coming up together, not over chasing with line speed, but then banging in the content two man tackles and and that is where I've never been in a team like that and and I maybe not skeptical at the beginning but obviously I've always seen other teams that have done it one way and to watch us pick that up Mm. and to watch the attention to detail of actually work on your contact skills and everything and to finally come good against a team that I'd probably say is the best at that like you know in in the contact area Atlanta are a nightmare Mm. they're so well trained they're detailed you can tell they do the work in the wrestling room they do all that stuff there And, and for the ability for us to be able to do that like and, and, and shut a team like that down like it, it was so good to see and it was just reset reset absorb phases don't give ill like easy penalties and 22s in that was a big mantra for us is no free entries to the 22 because they got one just before half time and you saw they scored with that mole and they're, they're that sort of team you cannot they, they are that good you cannot just give them a free entry because they'll take seven off you You have to make them earn it and I think we defended well enough in those middle 40s when they got to our 22-2 but really in that middle area of the field that we just didn't gift any entries and that to me was the, the part of the real key component to winning that game I mean throughout the season that's their bread and butter I mean they they won so many games in the last you know 10 or so minutes you know with those forwards if it was pick and goes or those drives uh, and that constant pressure that they put but you know going in back to the defense that that, uh, that LA had I mean you felt it if you're the front row you felt it if you're the 10th row and you felt it if you're on the fifth floor of the boxes you know looking down I mean that was that's an easy selling point whenever you're introducing rugby and be like oh my gosh those guys are hitting hard mm. and uh, that that is that is huge I, I agree we, we, we've said it before sorry cause but we've said it before again you don't get that just by spending money and putting the best players in a team you very often get the opposite of that, <laughs> actually. Um, but, you know, again, speaking to Adam, uh, speaking to everyone around uh, this organisation, uh, the way um, that DC's gone about it, the way that Stephen Holes has gone about it, in terms of we're talking about everyone being themselves, having their own personality, having room uh, to, to show what you're really about, the heart of you and the heart of the team, that comes down to defence. Yeah. And it's an, it is an emotional part of the game as well as an organisational part. And all year you could see those boys wanting to bang. And it was the best defence in the league. It conceded the least tries and the least points. And that's for a reason. And you don't get that unless you've got absolute buy-in from the biggest superstar to the collegiate uh, uh, draft prospect. Uh, and that's the key of putting together a great team. No, I, I agree, mate. I agree. And, and, and I think, you know, as we... We're sounding off on on the season with LA. Like, let, let's just get into it. Like, what an achievement in year one to be able to create something, to create a product on the field, to create a culture off the field, to create a brand, to create something very unique in the rugby world too. Like, yes, I am biased. I love it here. The the ability to be back in this environment to me is like a breath of fresh air after you know leaving rugby with injuries and 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 stuff. But just the the year I've had with cancer and everything to be here and to be living this environment again, something that's ingrained in me from a child to be in these environments. Like I'm just grateful and I love what we're doing here. And, and I'm just, you know, a big fan of rugby succeeding in America. And I think this is going to play a big part of that. To go back. I mean, you joined the team right before they went to Hawaii for preseason. So you're with them whenever you're getting to know each other's names all the way to lifting the shield in the locker room. So, I mean, um, the team grew. Everything grew. And, and D- I grew, mate. Like, that's amazing. Like, you know? Honestly, I'll put you this, all right? Like, when I first got to Hawaii, like, I was still so nervous just being back in, like, the real world again. I'd spent nine weeks going through chemo. I had no hair. I had nothing. I spent isolation, barely saw anyone. 
I remember turning up and just being nervous about being close to guys. I had a mask at the beginning because I wasn't sure what, you know, like, whatever. Like, this was the best thing for me. Like, it brought me back. Like, the old, like myself came out again, like, the enjoyment, the life. Like, it was, it was almost like the perfect thing that could have happened in that environment. Because if I hadn't experienced this and I'd still had that, like, isolated life and come, I don't know what I'd feel like right now, but I just feel like myself again. And it, and it is this experience really lit a fire in me again. And it was just exactly what I needed at the time. And it was a little bit nervous because I thought, have I, have I rushed into things? Have I signed up for too much too soon? Like, I've just come back. Like, I'm trying to get my life back together. I've still got, obviously, NBC, other jobs and everything I'm doing. I wanted to do this part as well. And, and I was a little nervous, but, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I, I'm so glad. Like, Mate, you just gave me so many goosebumps. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, so inspirational on that. And, I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's right when you're learning the guys' names, the coaches' names, what the, what the systems are going to be impl- implemented throughout the season. I mean, I know speaking with Darren Coleman, who's very public about it, is – I mean, everybody was, oh, L.A. is so much better, 50 points better than anybody else. But they just had a better preparation for the preseason. And he was very, he's like, you know, these guys are going to co- uh, catch up to us. We just had the best, you know, you know four weeks in, in Miami. Then you had Oxnard. Then you had everybody buying into the system. So, I mean, you know, talk us through coming back into, you know, leading up to the first round and then coming through that. I, I just think, yeah, like, mate, no secret we had the best prep. And, and that's why we hit the ground running. But I think we had to. Like, if we'd started as a new team yeah. and had no prep, like, it could have gone off a cliff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of these teams that had been around, like, you look at Seattle, like, two-time champs, where they've been, obviously had a very shambolic start to the season. Like, when you look at how they finished, how they start, night and day. If we'd started like that, like, we might, like, God knows what would have happened. Do you know what I mean? And I think the emphasis of starting something new and, and the pressure that was externally on us from above because obviously there's a lot of funds and support coming here but internally as well like we expected to win this like I think everyone maybe didn't quite realize how hard it was going to be to win this from the outside until they got here and you got like halfway in and you see the teams that just keep winning and the grind and we're a little low on depth and you know what I mean like you're bringing in people from wherever you can find them or crossovers or you know Adam channels to you know all like you don't know what it takes to win a conference like this if you've never seen it and Rob you'll probably know better than most has been a head coach and and given it a best go and and I think the, the the ability we had to just find a way to do it this year, like it was powerful, man. And like, I just, I just, like, I'm sure every club is an amazing environment. I do feel like this has a lot of things that maybe others don't yet, but I just think there is something special here. I mean, the bar has been raised. If it's a game day, you know, you know, setup of playing at the Coliseum, of having Steve Aoki going, or the ground of the surface that they're playing on or this facility, you know, teams and ownerships and management have got to got to catch up because, I mean, the players don't want to be training out of 24-hour fitness or they don't want to be training, you know, on a soccer field and getting kicked off or just always on turf. You always got to get better. So, I mean, this is definitely the bar. LA has raised the bar and the other owners have got to catch up. I agree, mate. Look where we're sitting right now. We're in, like, HQ. I know, obviously, there's no, like, swivel cams or anything. Maybe we can get some footage added in. Who knows? But, like, we're in HQ. You know what I mean? Like, most clubs don't even have this. And this is on year one. And I think that gratitude that, you know, humbleness and appreciativeness of like the good stuff that we have, but not just going like, oh, life's sweet because we have all the good stuff, but actually, all right, we've got these tools. Let's put them to use and make something special from it and make a, a real difference from it. And, and I think that's what we did. And I, you know, Rob, I'd love to know, you know, what you think from the outside end. You've seen HQ a little bit now too. Todd gave you a nice little tour. Uh, you know, what, what do you think? Um... Look, there's, uh, my impression was you come down the road, it's an industrial building down a road, nameless, faceless, essentially, when you come in. And for all intents and purposes, for anyone else in the world, they don't know anything about what's going on in this building. But you men and women that have been working on this have put together something so special that you'll say coming out of your treatment for cancer, this is the thing that brought you back to feeling whole again that Adam Ash comes from Scotland and says this is the best experience of his life, that you've got Ashley Cooper and and Gitto that have done everything in the world but are rejuvenated by this challenge, 
that you've got Ryan James coming out of college and having his family in the facility here and celebrating afterwards. Like, this is why we love to compete. We love this game. It's the best game in the world because, you, you know, you can be you get all the aggression in the world, all the detail, all the study, all the hard work, the sacrifice, but then you're sharing with your teammates. You're, you're bringing your family into it. And it, money doesn't give you the understanding of how to put that together. There's some very, very intelligent and hardworking people here. And again, I'll go back to the most encouraging thing for me, if we look at the big picture is, it, not everyone will do it in the same way, but I can tell you, if we walk into the ATL facility, they'll say the same thing about their, their group. If we walk into the New England facility, they're going to say the same thing about their group. And that's going on across the country now. And it is so powerful because now we're giving rugby players the best possible experience where they are absolutely loving competing day in, day out and for the full season. And that's what we want to show to people about our great sport. And if we can now marry that up with this American spirit and the production and all the rest of it, yes, we've got something where we can go and compete with the world. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer, but what I see these pockets now, the passionate um, uh, groups that are building, um, it, it, absolutely fantastic, you know. And it happens that LA won on the day, but it could have been ATL, uh, and we would have been then maybe going into their facility and saying yeah. the same thing. So I, I'm just so encouraged by what's happening across the country. Uh, I, Matt, I, I just think it's a it's it's a good time, and you know when I look at ATL, they deserve so much credit, and and they deserve like. You know, obviously we had, you know, a very, you know, helping hand from Adam Gilchrist and, you know, Adam Fryer and all the support staff and everything. They've built something from scratch there. They were only new last year yep. before it got cancelled, had five games. They've sort of obviously built on something special with life and the identity that was sort of forming there to what they've done now. And they've chosen a clear identity of how they want to play, the culture they have, the brand. Like you can tell, I think the biggest thing when I look at Atlanta was they found a way to get to the final without most of their best players there. And then it yeah. just so happened then their best players came back and then they were really torn because they had yeah. all these guys that were great players and had been playing every week. And I was fearful of playing some of them. And then obviously there's other guys, that, you know, they, it's their culture, their team, they've been driving it. And of course they're going to bring those guys back. And, and, and for me, that was probably the, the biggest dilemma they faced playing us was not game plan or how they want to take us on was picking the right personnel to actually take LA on. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can say, uh, you know, ultimately O'Keefe came out of the team. Coleman comes in. Again, he is the star signing, but he hadn't been playing all year. His Kura had done a fantastic job at 10. You know, he's a 12 slash 10. He'd, he'd been in there brilliant. Uh, Waitokia, I think, came out. I think he'd had a knock. Dam came out with a knock. Um, and, and that does affect uh, the consistency and, and because they've been, they've been moving so beautifully together as a team, especially in defence, especially in the centres. Uh, the 10, 12, 13 channel have been locked up all year. Yep. Um, so they made those changes um, and, and we, we'll never know. As a coach, that's a difficult uh, a spot to, to be in um, and we won't know the answer on that. But um, I'll tell you what, they'll, they'll come back stronger as well because now hopefully those guys will be fit through pre-season uh, and they can push on again. And, and we've spoke about before, Houston are coming, yeah. <laughs> you know, with Heineken Mayer. Seattle and uh, San Diego Legion could uh, retool and be back. Utah are going to keep growing. Uh, New York will be back. So yeah, Austin will build Austin. on the year they've had and the growth from they've shown. Like this, and you know, you know, if, uh, Old Glory are going to have a fire up them to actually get the results that they were not far away from turning. Yeah. Free Jacks really found their form at the end of the season. They're building something special. They're like, don't forget Toronto. That's going to have yeah, a home, Toronto. Toronto. home <laughs> finally. The Arrows. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I like how good? Like where yeah. is this? league going to get to what is it going to have like, yeah. like uh, uh, next year is going to be hard mate like yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I hope I'm still coaching here but uh it's gonna it's gonna be hard like yeah. the, the bar is only getting higher and higher and with yeah. no COVID and prep times and everyone having equal hand at the beginning this is gonna be a proper hard next season as well and hopefully we can build the crowds you know you know uh 
you know, medical d conditions permitting and a bit more lead time and a bit more promotion. Uh, because again, it was another record crowd for yeah. the final. Uh, and that's with all the limitations that are in place at the moment. So, And, and when you think of the, the, you didn't even have a full runway of season attendance. And I, and I just think where the league can be long-term, sponsorships. Mm. Like this is the first year when now there's a financial footprint behind this league as well as like just an on-air, on-field product. I think now there's some numbers from like startup business terms that you're actually starting to generate some real number. I think a bit more sponsorships, TV revenue money is not far around the corner. This league is really going to snowball into something special. And I think, Todd, you know, you obviously know a fair bit about that as well. No, I mean, behind the scenes, you know, not uh, off of the, the, the white stripes and 80 minutes, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, I, I'm very close with a lot of the team general managers and, and people that set up things, you know, with Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta and, and L.A. are exact opposite of homes. And whenever L.A. went out there, you know, they had a, you know, 90% sellout uh, of it. But it's a smaller venue, you know, three and a half thousand or so. But, I mean, they have music, they have food, everything else. Here in L.A., you have the Coliseum. How can you get to that, you know, no. I don't know if you're going to get 80 or 90 percent there, but you can, you, can you, you know, double the, double the crowds. But, I mean, across the league, you know, you saw, uh, you know, the Free Jacks move into a new home. Uh, new York changes places, so it's going to be betterment for a fan. Because, I mean, all, ultimately, you want to have a good fan experience. You want to introduce uh, rugby. You've got to educate the public. And, and hopefully turn a lot of little boys and girls and families into rugby fans. Because, I mean, the, the rugby ethos, the, the, what we, why we play this sport is, is, is life-changing, as, as, as we all know. Well, you just listen to Corbs and then show that to your little uh, son or daughter and say, that, you know, if that doesn't get you juiced up for the game, I don't know what will. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. I, I, I love it, mate. Born for this. You know, that's what I say. Like, born for these environments and yeah. this stuff. And, and what's being created here this season in the MLR, like, it just it gets me so excited. Like, it gets me so excited. Like, I, I love being over here in America and the, the direction we can take the sport, which hasn't been taken before. And... The fact that if we do get it right here, like uh, there ain't no ceilings in America. Do you know what I mean? You just when we get it right. Yeah, when we get it right. I don't think it's an if. I think uh, I really do think it's a when. And and uh, I tell you what, it's been accelerated somewhat this year because yeah. I didn't think we'd be sitting watching that final in uh, the Coliseum with the flyover and all the rest of it, How? you know, and the standard of rugby. And and the world the world is paying attention. Yeah. I mean, the top world uh, rugby players in the world. Are, are, are in contact. Their agents are in contact. Yeah. I mean, there's huge money that are looking to invest into franchises because they know America does it differently if it's, you know, basketball, baseball, football, um, you know, etc. They do it differently. So if we guilt, uh, build up to that, and that's what America needs to do, USA Rugby needs to do, MLR franchises need to do, they need to be like, how can we be at the same level as MLS? How can we? We have the same structure. We have to keep on building and sell it. So, I mean, it is exciting. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, we talked about the whole year. We talked about the final teams, how good Atlanta was, how great it was to be part of L.A. as, as Corbs went in. But we should talk about our top 15 for the Major League Rugby it's 2021. Tough. It's tough. We might be MLR here a while. Had their team. <laughs> Noodle bags have had their team. It's time for the American Rugby Show team. Uh, our lovely Stevie, who is the, the maestro behind the, the show and the Instagram, will hopefully make us an amazing graphic that we can actually add this to the Instagram yes. page as well. Big shout out to Stevie. Stevie! All year. She's behind the camera. You can't actually see her. Uh, actually, come on in, Steve. You deserve a bit. Uh, come in. She does. Here you yes, go. open it up. Open it up. This is Stevie. <laughs> you champion. Stevie is literally, um, it's been an absolute star. She is the, the lady behind all the Instagram, the graphics, putting it together. Basically, I wouldn't have been able to do this show without her with the coaching and all the roles. She picked up so much slack. Like, I'm so grateful. And I do believe you deserve some camera time. And I'm sure everyone who's a big fan of the show will be a big fan of Stevie. So Stevie. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work, guys. We did it. We did it. Well, and stay tuned. We want next season should be having Stevie at games doing interviews and questions. She is absolutely hilarious. So stay tuned as well for that. Not All right, no pressure. Not pressure. pressure. Not pressure. <laughs> All right, back behind the camera, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rob. I, I, Rob and Todd, I agree. It's time to talk about the team and, and to pick a team. So, right, do you want me to take the front row or what? Y you, yeah, yeah. Switch it up again. <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> uh, 
Corbs it. Yeah, I mean, start us off with the with the type five. I mean, front row, uh, starting with what? Loose head of the year. I'm just going to pick the winner for me. The winner for me is Charles Swinglewski. Uh, I just think consistent through the season, American, what he offers, the linchpin he was in that Atlanta team. Um, big fan of his, no secret. Uh, I thought it was, I, I couldn't believe he was on the bench in the final. Uh, as someone had to coach against it, I was absolutely chuffed. Um, but at the same time, like I, I, again, we talked about it. But he, uh, to me, is is my loose head of the season. Honorable mentions, you know, JP Smith, I just think probably didn't play enough this season, otherwise I would have given it to him because I do think he's absolutely quality um, and there are a number of guys from McIntosh to Khalifi to Vandenberg you know who are all in in the in the running in this league but but I do think Chance gets it for me um, if we're going to do the hooker of the season this is probably a really crowded uh, pack and and one of the more crowded areas I'd say my my first choice and I, and I don't see how you could pick anyone else is Malolo from from Utah again he didn't have as many games as everyone would have liked um, but I think what he did in those games made it very clear that he was right up there I think Mahe Veolanu from LA is is right up there I thought Hugh Roach at Austin I thought uh, Fawcett and Tseni Fangai are in there I think Hooker's got a really crowded lot here but I, but I will give it to, to Malolo on that one and then Ty Head. Another um, tough award. Uh, and I'm really torn which way to go with it. But I think I am going to go with Dino Waldron. I think to me, um, you know, there's a few names. I think Charlie Abel at, at LA, honorable mention. I think Paddy Ryan for what he done this season in a short period of time, honorable mention. And then lastly, Angus McKellen, honorable mention. Between me, it was either Waldron or McKellen. Played pretty much all season, American, homegrown tight heads, linchpins of their team who really fronted up at scrum time and around the park as well. I think Cromwell as well for oh, uh, yep. for ATL. I knew I'd sneak one in. He was actually in my, it's those three. It's yeah. got to be between those three. Like he was so consistent, 80 minute man for ATL yeah. as well and, and, and proper set piece as well. I can't wait for you to add in on who's the best 10 and you know. I'll just have to name them all. You have to create out exactly. And then uh, Locks, what are you thinking? Locks is a tough one. Again, another stat class in this league, which is great for America, uh, American League to have so much talent. Um, I think the first name on my team sheet is Dave Dennis. I think he set an example all season for LA, the standards, the set piece, the carries, the tackles, the work rates. He played every round except one game this season. Um, for me, he's, he's, he's my, uh, my four and my five is going to be, uh, it's really tough. It's, it's, between, it's between two who get the, like, the final nod, but I'm going to go with uh, Fortune from, from Utah. I think Momsen gets a real honorable mention for me, but I just think Fortune, like what he did at Utah, the size, the physicality, scrum, mall, um, the way he can bash people as well. Like, uh, I, I think those are my two locks. And then, uh, you know, Rob, we actually let Todd do the back row as well. Yeah, I that's think a great shout. Yeah. This is an area of Todd's expertise as well. Yeah, no, I'm actually supposed to be in the middle. So <laughs> we all know. Well, I don't, you can I don't, just, I don't you can just correct us. I will yeah. correct you if you get yeah. it wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, starting in the back row, six, where are you thinking uh, at blindside? What are we thinking, Rob? We talked about this. Where are we at six? I think it's got to be Cottrell, I'll right? give it to Cottrell. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, he did miss a few games, but when he was out there, I mean, the, the, the boy's different class. Uh, I think uh, Van Vuren was outstanding, you know, wh wherever you'd put him in the back row for Utah. Um, but at six, I definitely have Cottrell, yeah. Who are you going with at seven, mate? Seven, I think um, Rumble for Toronto uh, it's funny because you pick that that Toronto team and there's quite a few there's a few of the back three players as well but they didn't perform and so I don't think you can give it to Rumble I think uh, youth coming through uh, great to see Bailey Wilson at Utah Ben Bonazzo um, at Rooney Guerra at Guerra at Nola Guerra, and they're breaking through now into the international scene but I I'd I, I, Go with Sam reaching yeah. for impact. I mean, I mean, it was a one-man attack at times early in the season for yeah. that Legion team. Uh, and Sam now, you know, massive congratulations to him and his wife Mel. They're they're uh, look like they're having a great time in uh, in France. So all the best to them out here. Another fantastic season for for Sam. I agree. I agree, mate. And eight. I am going to say, it, you know, there's not many names. It's a short list for sure. Oh, 
For me, I, I, I love Conradi at eight and, and what he did with the free jacks. Um, I think Cam Dolan, it's really hard not to pick him at eight because what a you know consistent like linchpin of his team and the growth he's shown in his game and the leadership and the maturation of someone that I've seen on a long rugby journey from when I saw the guy at Saints, must have been 2014 when he was there to now, like from a boy to a man, like it's, it's great to it, see. His rugby IQ yeah. has expanded, which is, which is so great to see. Cause I mean, I, I also, when I was yeah. there with his first cap and leading through and turning into, you know, a leadership role, but he was missing some, some, I mean, that's what Americans yeah. are. We are missing, you know, we haven't been playing it with rugby ball, but he's definitely stepped into it and, and, and it's been great. I, I agree, but I'm, unfortunately, Cam, as much as I love you, <laughs> I'm going to give it to Conradi just yeah. for the carries, the physicality, yeah. the run he had at the end, yeah. Yeah. the dynamism, I, I, the ball carrying is what's going to get me done. We've picked quite a good yeah. line out operation too that I think we can we can have Conradi at eight. And we haven't even mentioned the likes of Ricard Hatting, Joe Johnston at New England, who had a, a great first Farnana season. Farnana Schultz. Farnana Schultz. Um, you know, so this, prior. Yeah, yeah, this is oh, yeah, prior. Yeah, 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 back row and hooker, yeah. I think, are really well everywhere stacked, but those ones are specifically you can go really deep and, and make a case for like six blokes at least. Yeah, which is again great, great for us um, yeah. uh, as viewers. So, uh, and then coming into the backs, I think uh, at nine, um, obviously Andy Ellis. Just uh, running the show nine or ten. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I thought I just couldn't believe it when they were taking people off, and they're like, surely he'd be the one to get a rest, (laughs) chasing the ball around all day at the back of the rucks. He was brilliant at ten, and he was. It was kind of like he was coaching on the field as well there, and really helping Marty Veal out because he didn't have a big coaching staff at all. Um, But I think Harrison Goddard was fantastic. Um, for LA and uh, you know I think you know we were talking about that, you know there's a kid that could potentially get picked up for a super uh, team in the next couple of years um, he was obviously very deadly around the fringes uh, scored a lot of tries early and then his uh, his kicking game came to the fore a bit more about the middle part of the season turning teams and uh, I think he was a constant menace um, then I think Poland John Poland is always fantastic value for New England Michael Basker for me fantastic what 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 an improvement from a, a guy and I'll tell you I've said it before but this this kid's a student of the game and he is going to k- keep uh, improving rapidly no I was surprised how big he was when I saw him in in person in, in after the Utah game as well he's tall um no I agree I'd say the other person maybe I give an honor I mentioned Tusi Tala I think um you know deserves some love I think he's had his moments as well uh this season but yeah no I, I think Goddard for me like yeah. Just seeing him up close, like this guy's a proper operator. Like yeah. he could play in Super. I think he'd make it in the Premiership. Like I really think the the maturity and the well-roundedness of his game and the calmness and the the way he just makes it look effortless and has yeah. time on the ball. And you know that's just not the case. That's just a sign of a a real good player. And I do think he was a big part of, especially early on in the season where. And they were really steaming onto the ball at pace. I think he was bringing the forwards yeah. on. He was stepping out a little bit, tying in defenders. It's just a small thing, but I thought it was really big for them early. No, the definitely. And he knew how Darren Coleman wanted to play, playing with him at, at Gordon and, and, and winning, winning the shoot shield there as well. He was a perfect nine to bring in from, from week one. Yeah. And then uh, moving on to tens, I think... Uh, not a conventional one, but I start by mentioning Ezkura uh, Atlanta. He made a lot of running meters uh, up the middle. He's, he had a big left foot, uh, even though he probably wasn't used to that kicking game as much, being more of a 12. But he stepped in there and did a fantastic role for them. I think he was great. Hollingshead, so sad to see that him miss the semi-final, or the, rather the Eastern Conference uh, Championship game, we should say. Um, and he had to head back to Bay of Plenty, but he had a, he had a great first season. I hope we see him back in yeah. uh, Rooney. Um, there's someone else I'm forgetting. What's his name? Uh, Matt Gitto. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, boy. No, no, rhymes with Pat Gitto. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Matt Gitto had a fantastic season. Obviously managing his body uh, through the year, and I think DC did a great job on that. Um, and we just knew he was going to step it up in the big game. And yeah. obviously he, he had a hand in the first the first two tries there to set them away. And uh, what a match leader. as well, I think. Yeah. 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 What, a, what a leader and what a man to have you around your environment and to, to, to teach the young fellas. Anybody to add on that, uh, on that nice, impressive list? 
I quite liked Mac Mason at, at Austin as well. I think he played he played a good role for them. Jason Robertson is always yeah, good value. A great, a, another great one. Um, you know, I, I, he was forced to play there, but Wacker wasn't terrible at ten for three jacks he either. When he had great to, games. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my the god, void. like this. Yeah. That's the thing in this uh, league. A lot of guys who stepped into the ten yeah. shirt who maybe weren't always actual tens with the depth in this league. And before that, Harrison Boyle was going well for them, and yeah. he had a, a lot of assists before he got injured. And again, he's a young American qualified ten, so that's very important for us to develop. Um, so. Again, it's great to see. And then, uh, you know, going back, I'll always come back to it, but you, the young fellas like Ethan McVeigh coming in at nine, um, Conor McManus at Rooney, you know, that's really critical to have those skill positions coming through um, American guys that are developing at this level. And playing with, you, you know, even you had Rodriguez here playing with Gitto at SoFi. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could, that's a fairy tale, you know? It's, it's wild, mate. Yeah. It's wild. So, um, Number 11, wing. Let's so who go. Who did you go with 10? Who was the choice? That fellow, Matt Gitto. You went with Matt Gitto. <laughs> yeah, 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 he was yeah, your yeah, final yeah, choice. Yeah, Just yeah, checking. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. He was good. He's a good player. He's not bad, is um, he? 11. Um, Houston are struggling to get a player in here, but Balacana's worth a mention. <laughs> yeah. Balacana wouldn't want to get in his way. Uh, he, he, he was uh, obviously huge on the, the tackle breaks and line breaks through the season. I have to give it to Van der Merwe. I think he was absolute class. Um, he was, um, you know, even chasing kicks in the air, on the ground, uh, at defensive breakdowns, as well as obviously the obvious stuff of the breaks and the tries. We all agree on Vanden Merver. DTH, so, right, but, all but day. Would you rather have him pink hair, white hair, no hair? If he was on my team, I'd, I'd dye his hair for him. Yeah, if he was on your colour, mate, I'll yeah. do it. You just, you just turn up, all right, and play like that, is yeah. what I'd say. Um, no, nah, credit DTH. Like, DTH is such a baller. Like, professional whatever but obviously you know he would manage an injury at one point i don't think he trained for like a few weeks and then all of a sudden we had to play austin and we needed him to play and he, he did one session played and you'd argue he's man of the match i think if you go back in that game there's like three or four ma like breaks or massive moments that he brings on the ball and and that's just what you get with the guy <laughs> like professionalism quality absolute competitor and a big game player like in that final the counter-rucks and, and the moments he picks to yeah. impact the game, yeah. like that is, that to me gets him across the board as, as, yeah. the, as the 11. He's just so well-rounded. Yeah. You know, Balakana was brilliant at what he did on the ball, but Van der Merwe, you can see he's doing stuff off the ball. He's yeah. communicating, he's covering distance, he, he's def in defensive breakdown. So he's offering so much more uh, around the park than some of the guys that are making standout runs. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that brings us on to the right wing where... Um, He's talking about making runs that stand out. Uh, Mika Cruze, uh, Julian Dominguez, uh, Dougie Fife. Basson. Uh, Basson's the man for me. I think Basson gets it for me. Yeah. Uh, I think he scored nine tries. Um, uh, he was phenomenal. He looked an absolute threat every time he got on the ball. Um, and I think the lads really enjoy him there at Legion. They said he's been a great guy to have around. Uh, he's just got stuck in. Um, and he, he, he's just one of the lads. Uh, and he stood out, you know, all through the season. Oh, yeah. When they couldn't quite find their gears, he was the one that was consistently yeah. clicking. All he needed was the ball and space. Yeah. And he was gone, mate. I, I agree. I, I think Dominguez deserves a lot of love and shout. Um, I'm sure there's a few others that were missing across this league. Ryberg deserves some love he does, yeah. as well. I think he had a fantastic yeah. year and maybe someone who they weren't quite sure if he's a conventional winger or not. Like mm. the way LA used him this year, I thought was fantastic as well. But yeah, and onto the centers, lads. Yeah, and sorry, sorry, but even you, you go around the league and you might yeah, yeah. like Montero, Levis, uh, Mieres. Oh, yeah. uh, they're always great value to watch, but couldn't quite put it together. So they, they can't really challenge for that spot. But I think Van der Merve and Bacon, uh, you yeah. can't go too far far wrong exactly. there and Dominguez very very unlucky not to yeah. get in there um, so centres yeah 12 center. 12 for me is only one name I'm going to put on 12 and it's Billy Meeks totally I, I think fully fit when he played like oh my god difference he makes in the team what an absolute baller if anything I'd probably say you know him and Cottrell are probably the two most in their prime like 
top end players I think that LA had and and they really delivered on that factor and and I think he was massive I think other guys uh, that deserve some credit uh, Duplessis uh, at Nola I think had another strong year at 12 there's, there's a number of guys you can go, I'm sure you're wrong over well but for me I think Meeks is hard to to, yeah. to out, out, oust in this he does it all he's got the bump he's got the size yeah. the footwork the defense yeah. the offload the distribution like w- w- the height like, he's got everything I, I actually had him at number 7 as well yeah. in my, in my <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah 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 from man of the match in both positions that is true yeah. you told me that that week and I was like mate he is gonna kill it centers get so excited by yeah. doing that I'm pretty sure this season he got a man of the match at 12 I think he got one at 13 and one at 7 there are yeah. gonna be many yeah, men there you go. that can do that there you go I, and I would agree I think Meeks and Cottrell are the best two players in the league they, they missed a few games with injuries, but if you're just going on their best performances this year, I think those two were the most influential and the best players. Um, I think Will Leonard deserves a mention. I think he's been consistently very, very good for Rooney. Yep, that's true. Uh, really and again, good. when Rooney won uh, against LA out there, he was brilliant in defence. Mm-hmm. He's always carrying, he's organising the defence. So him there. And then 13... Um, Again, we're back in LA colours potentially. Adam Ashley Cooper, talk to us uh, guys about his influence around the place. Oh, just like, I think Adam Ashley Cooper, this is it, last time I saw Adam Ashley Cooper until this experience was 2013 after Lions tour, after leaving, the day after leaving, uh, what was it, Bondi Beach, we've been there all day. He and his mates asked if they could come on the Lions bus afterwards. Came on, loose as hell on the mic. At last I remember doing is him with his pants down, get, paddling him with our shoes for the right. Well, I'm sure he'd for be him to come on our bus. Well, then, <laughs> let, me, let me finish. <laughs> so then he comes on the bus. Like that's the last time I see this guy. This guy turns up like he's a legend on and off the field, and he is a fucking legend. Like he's in my top five favorite people I've ever met in rugby. Yeah. He is suave. He's experienced. He's a team guy. He's a student of the game. Like he's funny. He's himself. Like he like he, there's nothing I don't, honestly don't like about the guy. Like I love him. Like I, I, I got so much enjoyment talking to him. I hope we get him on the pod at some time because he's absolutely outstanding. Like he's got such an amazing career ahead of him off the field, whether it be media, coaching, politics whatever the guy wants to do i think he's so likable that it's hard not to want to follow him and so for us in this environment like it, it, guys like him dave dennis gitto you know yes they're experienced but the drive the belief the way they carried themselves this season like they've left a legacy here forever and without them this title would never be here in year one like they, they picked the right guys to come in with that experience to give the right value and and he is just uh, uh, exceptional and he had his pants down his ankles and getting paddled on the Lions yeah. coach. So that's, the, that's the only thing also, we remember. That's the last no. time I saw the guy until I saw him in Hawaii. I was like, I haven't actually seen you since that day. Uh, like did you remember eight, it? Eight years ago. He did. He was like, he was like look, at, look at this. Is this your Nike? Is yeah, exactly. this your Reebok? <laughs> exactly. And um, honestly, he's, he's honestly, he's my, he's my man of the season. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to pick him at 13 because of that. I think Lesage deserves some love. Um, trying to think off the top of the head. O'Keefe, O'Keefe, O'Keefe had just ridiculous Bobby moments. Was good in Austin. Yep. Yeah, he kept him well. Exactly. Um, Bryce yep. Campbell, a- another outstanding year. <sighs> trying to think. Any- Dougie Fife was in at 13. Fife, again, it's hard to leave out the team in any position yeah. with yeah. The, the year he had. Yeah. And then I think as well, um, Ross, ne- is it Neil as well? At, at Ross Neil, Seattle, yeah. Had, again, had a, a few injuries. Year. Yeah, and he, he played on the play. wing a bit yeah. too, but I, yeah. I think as well deserves some mention as well. Yeah, for sure. He can play. Uh, that leaves us with... The man in the back. 15. The man in the back. Tough one, this. It is a tough one. Um, I don't think so. I think this is the <laughs> easiest. Hit us, Todd. Hit us. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for Teo. Yeah, he's Teo. I yeah. mean, I, yeah. for, for my opinion, I mean, yeah. what he did with Utah throughout the season, how he, you know, the offloads. I mean, you know how slow a center, they bring him down, scoring tries, line breaks, teaming up with Cruze. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, he's my player of the, the tournament yeah. throughout, throughout the whole season. I mean, uh, that, that's me. I mean, who, do you have anyone to add on, on the tail? Odin Wacker. Uh, yeah, Wacker or Fife get special mentions yeah. for me. Um, there's not many. I think uh, Carl say should get some love for the for how he played this season in yep. that in that role. Ben Foden had a strong yep. year. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think who else. 
off the top of my head, I think those are the, those are the guys. And, and for me, I think Teo deserves it. His ability, to the way he could sort of just find ways to get involvements in the game, not just play your traditional 15 role, the heartbeat that he was in that Utah, Utah side, the leadership, um, the offloads, the action, his kickoffs as well are just ridiculous. The height he gets on them, like so many things about that guy. And he came on the pod as well, you know. <laughs> hard, hard not to shed some light. And he's about to have a baby this week. Yeah, this week he's about to have a baby. That's correct. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, so good luck, yes. good luck, guys, with the baby. And, and, and I guess that's our MLR 15 lads. We did it. Hello, 15. It is Put them all together. 15. You doing recruitment now or what? I'm, I'm taking notes, lads. I'm taking notes. <laughs> No, uh, incredible. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys are amazing. You guys impress me. Uh, your knowledge, you know, with players' names and, and, and how they play, <coughs> the teams, the coaches, uh, the structure. I mean, uh, I learned a lot, you know. From me retiring from rugby, I was able to, you know, stop watching rugby as a rugby player and a rugby coach. I just looking for big hits and good tries and <laughs> celebrate the cold beers. Uh, but bringing back around you guys, it's, it's, uh, it's a science. So, you know, you guys were awesome this whole season. Thanks, mate. I, I've loved doing this pod with you guys. And um, I think I've really enjoyed it. I think our friendships have grown from it. I think the memories, and I also am really proud of what we created here. Like nothing like this really existed before in the US. Like obviously rugby wrap up has been around for a long time and Matt McCarthy and them deserve a lot of credit. But obviously with the podcast world, the way rugby's moving out of the areas, I felt like this was something needed to happen and, and it's just worked out so well that it couldn't be with two better blokes and thanks for coming on this journey. I've just been grateful for it together and, and I do think we've done something special and we, we, for all the people supporting the pod, we appreciate you because there is a hardcore audience that really love this pod and especially I think obviously Todd giving up so much of your time as well, but Rob as well, real credit with your analysis and um, the work you put into the show with the clips and the stuff for everyone that watched on YouTube and rugby network uh just from the bottom of my heart uh thank you guys and we wouldn't have been able to do it without our thirsty uh friends at gillies this is a great time to shout out the sponsors at gillies rob he's got a gillies as well i'll do another um wouldn't be able to make this possible on the pod without the love and support of gillies it is a lovable crushable lager that we all do enjoy remember to drink responsibly out there as well and cheers to you lads cheers fellas what a cheers, ride stevie. cheers stevie <laughs> cheers to everyone for supporting the Pod. I Buffalo. Think it's, Buffalo. Oh, <laughs> I think it's about time that we uh, we signed off. So to everyone for supporting the show. That is a wrap on this season's and the MLR breakdowns. A reminder to stay tuned for the Guilt Teeny season sign-off specials that we'll be dropping with some of the guys that were able to get in here before the season ends. But what a journey it's been from Todd Clever, Rob Hoadley, myself, Alex Corbusero. Thank you all. We'll keep being back next season. This show will keep being around in some format with the State of the Unions. We've got the MLR Shield. We've got it all. Thanks again to everyone. Let's go. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.